Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. But man, we're just so excited for, for everything the Lord has in store for us. Isn't it so good to be able to gather on Easter again together? Amen. Man, that was hard on me last year, uh, as it was for so many of us, for a lot of reasons. But uh, gathering on, on Easter Resurrection Sunday uh, is something special with the, with the body of believers and those who, who are coming to visit or just doing different things uh, to gather together. And uh, uh, what, what, a, what a blessing it is to, to be in here. And, and I just want to, uh, again, encourage you to pray for our leaders. Uh, pray for the leaders of this nation who need Jesus or just need to be led by Jesus, whether they know it or not. Uh, pray, for, pray for Governor Abbott. Pray for uh, the Attorney General and the Lieutenant Governor as they lead. Uh, they're not always agreed with, if you can imagine. Uh, and, and I know that they're trying to lead with such integrity. And, and uh, I think our three key leaders of this state, uh, I know they're all uh, professing believers. Um, and, and just pray for them uh, to stand strong. And then for our local leaders, I, I appreciate... Uh, Damon as a county commissioner and Judge Oakley and just all those guys leading our county. Uh, they stand strong. So I would guess the enemy has a target aimed at him. But uh, Jesus, you know, he just knocks arrows out of the sky. So uh, pray for him, for wisdom and for protection. I want to read you a passage that uh, we're all familiar with, uh, whatever version you might read it in. Uh, but it's, a, it's an Easter resurrection Sunday morning passage. This one comes from Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1 about how he's no longer here. It says, very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they'd prepared because they were going to take care of a dead body, as was the norm. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. And when it says that, it meant basically they were like vibrant light shows happening from the clothes they were wearing. The women were terrified, you think, and they bowed their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He, he has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and then he would rise again. On the third day, and then they remembered, it tells us. Today, on this Resurrection Sunday, and by the way, uh, you know, every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Uh, in the life of a believer, every day is Resurrection Day. Um, but on this Easter Resurrection Sunday, uh, we're looking at the third word that the, the cross gives us. Now, the cross gives us a lot of words. We're looking at four words in this series. Uh, the word justified, what it means to be just as if I've never sinned. Uh, can you imagine that? Just think through, you know you, all the stuff you do and the stuff you don't do uh, that, that is considered sin or, or failing or mistakes, uh, and you are made by the work on the cross just as if you've never sinned. And so we're looking at what Jesus did on the cross to forgive us of our sins and then what was confirmed with his resurrection. Because it was, it, we, were, we were forgiven and set free on the cross, but it wasn't until the resurrection that God said it was absolutely confirmed. So it was a kind of a, a two-part uh, act that Jesus was, was portraying there uh, in, 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 in his death on the cross and then his resurrection from the dead. Now everyone knows 
that the world isn't what it should be. Whatever it, it should be, we know going back to, to the garden, it, it, went, it started going down after person number two. Uh, you know, and, and started tail spinning uh, at that point. It's broken. Uh, we know that there's sin. Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that there's brokenness. We, we get broken and we break people. Uh, typically, both happen in our lives. We know there's trauma, something specific that happens in your life, uh, that just comes upon you and, and, it, and it wrecks you or derails you. We know there's trauma in a more general way, like, like a war or, or a recession or some kind of economic issue or, or a world pandemic that, that creates trauma in our lives and, and it affects us in our, in our heart and soul. It affects us in our mental health. It affects us in our physical health. Trauma affects relationships. Uh, it affects our hope. But we have, but then we have this this story of, of Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday that, that puts it all in perspective uh, of what he came to do in the midst of all this stuff. You see, we have an insurmountable problem that we can't fix in our own lives called sin. So, so God made a way where there was no way. And going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, he made a promise in, in Genesis 3.15 that I have a plan. I've always had a plan. He, he shared it for the first time, but he'd always had a plan to, to make things right when they were, were going to go wrong. It was, it was God's deliberate plan to send Jesus here to die in our place, to save us, to make us just as if we've never sinned. It was made between the members of the Trinity. It wasn't like God and the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Holy Spirit got together and said, Jesus, tag your it. It was, it was the Godhead somewhere in eternity past before the foundations of the earth. And, and, and the Godhead said, hey, when we do create mankind, they're going to go wrong at, at person number two, eating the fruit off the tree that we tell them not to eat. So, so here's our plan. So he'd always had it. Jesus was the one chosen to come down here to become one of us and save all of us. But it was no accidental plan. It was no, oh, now we got to figure something out, you know, uh, you know, just on the fly scheme that he came up with. Jesus was always the way. And what's so great about the plan is that someone else paid for, for something that we couldn't afford. You ever have something in your life and you're like, man, I would really love that and you can't afford it and somebody comes along and pays for it? That's nice. That's awesome. Or even something you're like, well, okay, I'll, I'll be able to pay for it, but it's going to cost me. And somebody comes and they, they pay that bill or they cover that for you. And that's just so nice, isn't it? What stinks about it is that for sin, the punishment is death. So the price was someone dies for me, for you. Someone had to die because of sin and rebellion. And it's like, okay, but, but how can it be right that, that there's this God that, that is loving and good and, 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 and holy, yet, yet, yet he kills his own son. How can, how can he do that to his own son, even for people that he's trying to save? I mean, uh, that, that's a hard thing to reckon in our brains. And then how can he let this, the guilty go free and the guiltless pay the price? Like, come on. That's a hard one to reckon 
That's the, the tension we find in Isaiah 53 is, as Isaiah is foretelling 700 years before Jesus walked on earth, he's foretelling what he would come to do, what he would go through. I mean, he gets so specific. I encourage you this week, read Isaiah 53 and just know that that was for you. Not because you're such a bad person, but because you're such a loved person. He did all that. But there's this tension in Isaiah 53. He paints an ugly picture that as he continues to go forward, looks uglier. And then we realize, oh no, that's because of me. Like all this ugliness is about me and because of me, that's why Jesus is going through this stuff. In verses 5 and 6, it says that Jesus is fully punished for something he never did, we did. Isaiah tells us that, that people, that sinners, are like sheep that wander away. They're like, I don't really care. I'm going to ah, go find my own thing, right? We wander away in our own sin. We wander away in our own ignorance. We wander away in our own pride. We wander away from the sin that we've, that we've wrecked the world with. And then it says that Jesus intentionally walked towards the cross. So we wander away from the mistakes we make. He intentionally goes towards what was not his fault to set us free. He made sure that his slaughter happened. And he joyfully died, it says, for the, for the joy set before him, which was saving you and having relationship with you forever, he endured the cross. Like he was, I mean, this is hard to, to understand, but he was happy to do it <laughs> because of me, to make me right, to justify you. He says in, in John 10, 18, that, that he voluntarily took on sin and the cross. He said, no one takes my life from me. Jesus is very clear. He's like, nobody has the right to tell me what to do. You ever have someone in your life and they're like, don't you tell me what to do? But they usually do it with a little attitude, a little head shaking or a little finger pointing. Jesus was like, nobody tells me what to do. I made the people. So I voluntarily lay my life down. Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. He says this. It says he was beaten. He was tortured. But he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. Justice was miscarried and Jesus was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. When we celebrate communion, that's what we're remembering, the body given to be Scourged, like Stennis said, to be, to be offered up in place of those who deserve the punishment. And then, and then the blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. That's what we celebrate at communion. And it's crazy to, a lot of times when we take communion, we remember that stuff. But then to go, so I'm celebrating the torturous murder of an innocent man. And Jesus says, yes, you are. Because I was joyful to do it because it's the only way I got you back. Jesus came to destroy Satan, to deliver us from death, and even deliver us from the fear of death. I would guess in the history of our nation, this has probably been the period of time, the last year plus, 
has been the period of time where more death, death was more feared than any time in history. I know we had the Cold War, and you're like, what's Russia going to do? And, and you had war wars, and, and you had the Vietnam War, but as a whole, affecting our nation inside of our nation, the fear of death gripped people, and Satan was having a heyday. But Jesus rendered that ineffective. He came to beat Satan, kick death in the teeth, and then remove the fear of death from our lives. Satan has no power of any kind in the life of a believer. However, he does have certain rights in the life of an unbeliever. He doesn't own them. He can't own anything. He can't own anyone. But because a person hasn't given their heart over to Jesus and hasn't accepted Christ as their king, as their Lord, and as the Savior, the enemy has certain harassment rights, and certain influential rights in people's lives that don't know Jesus yet, but the yet can always be cured. Good Friday happened because God already loved us. He had already set his affections on you. Before the foundations of the world, he loved you. In 1 John 4.10, it tells us that it was God's love that sent Jesus here to be the payment for my sins and to be the, 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 the payment for your sins. That, that God's love sent him here, not, oh, i got to go rescue him again. Doggone it. Or there they go again. I mean, all of us who've been parents, were like, oh, again? God never said again. And he had every right to. He just said, I'm saving him because I love him. Don't think that God's love for you is just because Jesus went to the cross. It wasn't this father who's like always angry at his kids. I know dads in here never get angry at their kids, right? Uh, we, we get frustrated, you know, we're imperfect. But God, God wasn't this angry father and then Jesus went to the cross and he's like, okay, I'll love him now. It wasn't that at all. The, the love of God for you is what led to the cross. The cross was actually an instrument of love, not death. Now, for everybody else before Jesus hung on that cross, it was an instrument of death. The Romans perfected the torture and the crucifixion on a cross, and they loved to make it humiliating and painful. But, and so it brought death in people's lives. But for Jesus, it was an instrument of love. It's what set you free, what forgave you of sins. It's what justified you in the eyes of God. In Acts chapter 2, Verses 23 and 24, we read about the cross and the power of it and what God knew what would happen. It says, God knew, this is Peter preaching to, to, to people here, mostly, mostly Jews at the time. He said, God knew what would happen. His prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you, to them, the Jews of the time, you being all of us in here, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep Jesus in its grip. You see, it was always the plan. Always the plan. Going all the way back to, to Genesis 3.15 and even before that, the promise that God had made that I will send one who will get bit on the heel, crucified, but then will crush the head of the enemy, coming out of the tomb. That was the promise in Genesis 3.15. Thousands of years before Jesus walked on the earth, that promise was given. Isaiah talked about it more 700 years before Christ. 
that Jesus would be executed. So we have this total confidence now that the plan came to pass. It worked exactly as it was supposed to be. The plan did the trick, so to speak. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite verse in the New Testament. And it says this about the cross. God took the sinless Christ. Jesus never sinned, right? Never. Lived a perfect life on planet Earth. He was God from the beginning. He was the creator. He formed the Earth. He made people. He was born just like us as a baby. Just probably in worse circumstances than any of us. And he lived this earth, on this earth and never sinned. 33 years. And God took that sinless Christ and he poured into him all of our sins. Everything you've ever done wrong. Everything the person next to you, on either side, has ever done wrong. Everything I've ever done wrong. Everything the 90 billion people on the planet that have existed so far ever did wrong in one moment poured into the sinless Christ. Then... In exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. We got all of God's righteousness, some versions say, or the righteousness of God was poured into us. Jesus swapped places with us. That's what Paul is telling us here. It's a done deal for us if we let it. If you let it be, it's a done deal. If you say, I accept what was already done, it's a done deal. The cross was an instrument of love, and the cross proved our innocence. This great exchange that happened at the cross that Paul writes about, actually in a couple of verses before that, in verse 19, Paul writes, he says, God refused to count your sins against you. Like, imagine, the creator God who created everything perfect and then it went awry and we shake our fist at him and we sin and we spite people and we do all the things that are sin and God says, I refuse, Bob, to count your sins against you. But in verse 21, he says, and you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to count your sins against Jesus and you and you and you and Matthew, you and Jeremy, you. Your sins are going to be counted against Jesus. And because Jesus took on all our sins, he had to die. Because there's a payment that's due. So God says, I refuse to count the sins against the people who commit them because they can't make it right on their own. So I will put them on my son and then he will die in their place and I'll be satisfied. And it sets you free and it forgives you for all time. If you let it be. He had to die for us. That kind of hurts, right? I mean, I thought of that the other day. I wrote the line, you had to die. And then I put in parentheses, ouch. His justice is the reason he forgives because Jesus satisfied. And it actually gets better than just him taking on all of our sins. We get all his righteousness. All our sins are left at the cross. All our guilt gone forever removed. You ever been guilty of anything? Whether it was like a, a crime or just like a major lie. I mean, something and you're like, uh, yeah, that, I did that. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You ever anybody say, okay, no worries about it. We're, we're cool. And it just, it's like, oh, 
I'm good. Like when you're guilty and you know the, 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 you know, the payments come and you're like, got to go to the principal's office. I lived at the principal's office. They had a chair for me. I had a plaque. There, there were paddles. I went to private school. There were paddles on the wall. My name was on most of them, all the tick marks. When I graduated, I was number one with SWATs. Yep. A friend of mine named Todd took me over by two years, so I only held the record for two years. But I, I know what it's like to be guilty and then be like, when, when's the punishment coming? I remember one time in particular, just, one, just once in my many years at the principal's office, and he's like, Scott, just stop. Go back, to, go back and, and do your work. and just don't, Please don't do that again. I don't want to see you here for this. And I walked back, and I'm like, I'm free. <laughs> feels good to be free of your guilt. We not only were free of our guilt at the cross, we walked away with his righteousness. So it's like, you're guilty. I'm not going to hold that against you. Here's a billion dollars to enjoy. What? He gave us everything. And so we're now seen just as if we've never sinned. Think about that in your life. You are seen by God just as if you've never sinned. That's justified. That's, that's what it means. But we have to choose. It's like, ah, there's the hook. It's always a hook. Can't get by in life without a hook. Okay, you choose. Here's a gift. The hook is, take it. Ah, uh, okay, okay. What else? Uh, open it. What else? It's yours. That's the hook? Yeah, accept it. Open it. Enjoy it. That's the gift of eternal life, of forgiveness of sins, set free from the fear of death and the sting of the grave, forever an eternal home made for you. That's, that's the gift. I was having communion. It's interesting because I had a message. I mean, it's Easter, and as pastors, it's kind of like your moment. Woo! And so you have kind of it all prepared ahead of time. For me, it's as much ahead of time as I can. I, I like cramming a little bit. Uh, but I had it all done, and then we have communion on Good Friday, and God's like, hey, those last two, that, that last half, I'm going to do that over, and we're going to redo that. I'm like, oh, no, we've been planning this. You were there. But, but he changes it. I'm taking communion on Good Friday here. I was right over there. And I went and got it, and I, and I took it with one of my boys, my nine-year-old. And I'm, I'm kneeling down, and I'm talking to him. And I said, hey, buddy, because of what Jesus did, you'll never feel the sting of death. The grave will never own you. The grave never will grip you in your life. Fear has no ownership. Fear has no inroads. Fear has no ground in your life or in my life. And, and then as I was taking it, the thought came to me, not only is my life here full and abundant, even with its challenges, because we're not dumb to the fact that there are challenges around here, but I have a set eternity. And I will enjoy every day forever with my four boys. I'll enjoy every day with my daughter. I'll enjoy every day with my beautiful bride. I'll enjoy every day and forever with those I love the most who love Jesus. That's the gift I get for eternity on top of an abundant and full and purposeful life here. No pain ever. Anybody in pain ever? 
Won't be pain there. No worry ever. No sickness ever. I was thinking about it. I was like, once I go to heaven, I'll never again pray for someone to be healed. I'll never pray for a relationship or a heart to be restored. I'll never, ever pray for someone to have a peaceful night of sleep in the midst of whatever they're going through. That will never exist. That need will never exist in heaven. Never. Only perfection if you embrace the gift. That sorry junk that has come into this world as a result of sin and brokenness will never be for the ones justified by Jesus' work on the cross. So who gets justified? Anyone who wants to be. No, it's not like pick and choose where he's like, ah, I want that half and that half. They didn't dress as good. Or, you know, I'll take that back quarter because they look really cool. But these, these guys, they got needs. Anyone who wants it is justified. It doesn't come without a price though, right? But the price was already paid on the cross. So it comes with a price But that was already paid, so now it just comes with this acceptance. All we do is accept the the done, the finished work of Christ on the cross. So for the unbeliever here today, or watching online or listening on KBay, is your heart right? Is your heart right? I don't know. Maybe if I have a conversation with you, I can I can guess, but I don't know. Is your heart right? Do you want a new heart? Like right now. I had someone a couple weeks ago, they're like, how quickly will God save me? And and the person was genuine. It was like, I've messed up so much. Does it take a while because of my past? Like, does he have to see that I mean it? And I'm like, right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Do you want salvation today and eternity with Jesus? It's right now. By faith you receive it. That's it. Jesus is perfect all the way. That's why we need him, because by ourselves, no chance whatsoever. But it is a step of faith. By faith right now. Do you have to perfectly understand? No, none of us ever will. By faith right now. It won't happen by accident. You'll never know everything in perfection. I was once so stuck and so lost. And then Jesus. Where the enemy came to steal my peace, to to kill my future, to destroy my life because of real sin and real guilt in my life. Jesus came stronger. My Savior sacrificed himself on the cross to make me right before God, justified. Make me just as if I've never sinned. It's believing in a God who came from heaven to become one of us, to step in our place and save all of us. Oh, I I want to see you there. I don't know everybody in here, but I want to see you there. I want to see you there. I want to see you enjoy and love life here and not let fear have you, but more than anything, I want to see you there. Nothing compares to forever. None of us can even understand it. 
Those who've gone on and they're with the Lord now, they, they could understand it, but they're not here. We have to, we have to believe by faith and, and trust in that, but, but it's only going to be amazing. There will be no sin, no struggle. If you never hear my voice again, or even if you never care about another word I say, my desire is that you would know how much you're desired by God. He wants you. He longs for you. He loves you with, a, with an everlasting love that would kill his only son just to get you back. Now for the nominal believer here, the, the poor follower, the backslider, uh, maybe somebody who's just mailing it in, I, I don't say any of that to, to belittle you. I really don't. I, I don't mean to say that to hurt you. I'm just, I'm just saying what I feel like the Holy Spirit put on my heart. I just want you to live saved and live eternal with Jesus. I know what it's like to be a horrible follower. I know what it's like to be backslidden and bitter. I've spent time when life was all about me and I just gave Jesus cold leftovers. I've let hurt and pain paralyze me and just live out of that, that, that horror of that and, and, and just languish there and, and not care a thing about Jesus. And to you, I want to ask, how's your heart? Is it fully his or is it all on you for life right now? Like, is everything banked on you and you alone? Is that risk that you take every day worth it? Or do you want to follow the king who died on a cross for you? Do you want the one who died and beat death for you to be the one you follow as opposed to yourself or, or some other thing leading your life right now. He wants you back. And he's not mad about you not being there. He bought you at a great price that he fully knew was worth it. And he wants you back. You were worthy of Jesus' blood. Let that just soak in right now. You were worthy of Jesus' blood on the cross. Not because I say so, but because God says so. Because if you weren't worthy of his blood, he wouldn't have killed his son to buy you back. The, the blood being poured out, the body given, the life killed in your place was the only way he could redeem you, buy you back. And so he said, that's, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. You ever come up with a great plan? You're like, that's what we're going to do. Or you ever played sports and your coach draws up a plan and you're like, oh, it's going to work. We're going to win the game. God said, this is going to work. It's going to win the game of eternity. You are worth his blood. Come back by faith. Step back into full relationship. Live as the son or daughter that he died to make you, to adopt you into his life. You are made just as if you've never sinned. It is done. Jesus is enough, and Jesus did enough. He has everything needed for you. Love, peace, security, hope, purpose, fulfillment. It's all found in Jesus. It's the only place it'll be found. Everything else will be fleeting. Might have moments of it, or it'll be fake. But in Jesus, everything always real. And I want to pray right now for those who don't know Jesus, or maybe you're wayward, 
struggling, you need to recommit your life to Jesus. And then I have one more uh, challenge for us before we go to, to sing a couple songs. So uh, I'm going to pray right now, and I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, bow your head if you feel more comfortable. But I want to pray right now and, and ask if there's anyone in this room, or you're watching online or just listening, but if there's anyone in this room and you say, I don't have that relationship, or I have lost that relationship. If there's anyone in here and you want the gift of eternal salvation to be yours, right now, I can't even really see everybody, but I would ask you just just for Jesus right now, just raise your hand where you are. Whether it's high or whether it's just subtle, just raise your hand. Jesus, I want that gift. Jesus, I want that gift. Jesus, I, I've sinned and I've blown it. I make mistakes. I've walked away. I'm, I'm like the sheep that wandered off. I'm backslidden. I'm a sorry follower. I'm lost as can be. I struggle with, with following, but, but Jesus, I, I want you. I want you to be my king. I want you to be my Lord every day of my life, but, but right now I want you to be the one who saves me because of your finished work on the cross. And God, I pray for everyone who has said, yes, that's what I want. I pray that you move right in now by the power of the Holy Spirit. You move into their hearts, move into their lives, overwhelm their minds with your goodness and just let them know you are secure in me. You are secure in me. That God, they would hear heaven say right now, you are just as if you've never sinned. And God, would you as a father look at them right now and just say to them, I see Jesus when I see you. His perfection, his righteousness, his holiness, how he's blameless. I see Jesus when I look at you now. I don't care what you struggle with. I see Jesus right now because you've chosen my son and his finished work on the cross. And God, for everyone who's raised their hand and made that decision, I pray this, save me today, Jesus. And everyone who cries out today to be saved, would be saved because that's what you tell us in the book of Romans. In your precious, holy, and saving name, I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to stand right now and I have one thing I want to challenge us with. For the disciple, whether you just made that decision and like this is your first thing that's ever been said to you as a disciple or not, for the disciple, that you would hear this. For the disciple that you would hear this, for, that, that God, you would hear God saying this, I love that you follow my son. I love that, that the word is what you have chosen to be guided by. You'd hear God say, you really are my disciple. You really are my follower. You really are a, a picture of me to this world around you. So for the disciple, I feel like God said this very specifically from God to you. I feel like he said this yesterday evening and, and I wrote it down. Live fully alive. That's what I gave you. You carry in you everything needed to see people set free, forgiven, and made right before me. So God would say to you, serve. Give your life away generously live for me. Tell others about me. Share your faith and your story and your love for me and my love for you with those who are lost or hurting or broken or wayward. 
This is how you show your gratitude towards me, by living your life for me. And by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you'll be able to go wherever he calls you to go. Forever is a mighty long time for someone to live away from Jesus. And if you follow Jesus as a disciple, you have eternity's answer for them. Share that with them. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.